Hello, everybody. I'm Tim Muma, and you're locked on to localjobnetwork.com radio, specifically our podcast, Management Decisions. Here we enlist the expertise of our guests to discuss topics that are valuable to employers and oftentimes in particular toward management. One area of importance can be the health and wellness of employees as it can affect a number of items within the workplace. So to discuss some effective corporate wellness and why it is valuable, we have Chris Cutter joining LJN Radio. Chris is the founder and CEO of Life Dojo, which does focus on providing programs to develop permanent health behavior change. Chris, how's it going today? Doing well, Tim. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on. Uh, as we mentioned before the show, uh, you know, a topic that is popular and I think uh, a lot of people are interested in, but I wanted to start off by getting your perspective, kind of set the tone for everything. When we talk about corporate wellness, how do you define that? How do you describe it? Where are you coming from when we're talking about this subject? Sure, absolutely. And, and thanks for having me, Tim. So corporate wellness you know, has, has evolved quite a bit over the past 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. And the way that, that we really think about it is that it's about addressing preventive health. So since employers existed, spending was about, you know, once someone got sick or once someone had a chronic disease, how do you address it? Whereas corporate wellness is about preventive health. And, and for me and, and our team specifically, we really care about the, the long-term behavior change. So this isn't about participation rate. This isn't about getting someone to, to do a 5K and then never do it again. Right. How do you get employees to actually live out a different lifestyle that is healthier, which leads to, to more productivity in, in a, a better workplace? And we'll definitely touch on that in just a moment. You mentioned there the idea that maybe you get a group of people to run a 5K and then there's really nothing else going on the 364 days. Is that where you see a big disconnect with a lot of organizations? Do you see that being a challenge to sort of change that mindset? Uh, What's kind of your overall take on, uh, on where a lot of corporate wellness might reside with a lot of companies right now that's different than what you guys are trying to do? Sure. I, I mean, you know, to be fair, Tim, changing health behavior or really any behavior in somebody's life long term, you know, our own lives. How many times do we set a New Year's resolution and, and it fails? Actually right. nineteen out of twenty New Year's resolutions, they fail within three weeks. So to to the credit of people trying to do corporate wellness, it's one of the hardest things you can you can possibly attempt. But what unfortunately has in many ways entered the corporate wellness space and taken over is this sense that you can use uh, what we call extrinsic motivation. Mm. The idea that all you have to do is is sort of, you know, give somebody a, a Visa gift card or or set some cash incentives or, you know, create a sort of social network pressure to get people to sort of do corporate wellness because it's, it's fun and easy, you know, the 30 pounds in 30 days idea. But the fact is that, that science time and time again has shown that stuff doesn't work. What does work is getting people to actually care about their own health for the right reason and to go through a process of reprioritizing their lives and mm-hmm. actually restructuring how they approach everything from their family to their environment to their nine to five or now it's nine to eight for many people <laughs> so that it's actually an integrated part of your life. And, and honestly, Tim, anything short of that, you know, it doesn't work long term. And, and when employers are looking for cost savings, you're looking for long-term health behavior change. Sure. I'm glad you brought up the idea of long-term costs. Why is it important for both employers and employees to really understand 
wellness and want to buy in? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people listening that, oh, whatever, you know, I go to work, I do my job and move on. Or it might be an employer saying, hey, I'm worried about the bottom line. You know, this wellness stuff is great, but I don't, I don't see the, the buy-in. Why is it so important for both the employer and employees to want to be healthy and, and have a healthy workforce? So let's start with the employer. Absenteeism has skyrocketed in the, in the corporation in America today. The cost of healthcare is going up at a record pace, and morale is actually significantly lower in the past 10 years than it ever has been in the company, and that, of course, leads to lower retention. The ROI that really drives a company on the cost side can all be reduced by corporate wellness. And we know this through various studies. Harvard was involved in one where every, you know, three dollar, uh, every one dollar of spending with corporate wellness led to three dollars of savings. Hmm. And then, you know, that that sort of relates to those those metrics. And and the idea of presenteeism is another one where people are coming to work with either physical or mental health uh, issues, and they're not productive, but they also affect the other employees in sure. their department, in their division. So all of that ties together um, to lead to some serious costs that can be prevented. Now, is that something that, for example, your organization would present to an employer to, to really show them the statistics and, and back that up? Because I feel a lot of people in a lot of cases, or in some cases at least, would sort of you know push that aside. Like, yeah, well, that's that's kind of your theory, but we don't see that here. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, thankfully, there's there's enough research over enough time uh, with enough people to show that, that it's pretty definitive, whether it's in massive national or multinational companies or companies as small as 200 employees. The, the re- results have been fairly specific. And mm-hmm. so for us to sit down with folks, and it's interesting because we, you know, in our, in our conversations with employers and, and even our existing customers, this sort of doubt towards the savings um, has started to dissipate. People really do see it. And especially after they, they use a really good corporate wellness solution, they never look back right. because they see both the, the ROI and they see the soft results. They see people coming in uh, a little bit happier, staying a little bit later because they want to finish their projects, seeing the morale higher. Those are the things that you can sense. So both the soft and the hard evidence is there. Now, when it comes to the employees, uh, as I said, there, I'm sure are a number of people out there that say, hey, you know, it's just my job. I want to go there, do my work and get out kind of thing. Why is it important for them to also understand that it affects them and maybe not even just at work, but throughout the rest of their life? Yeah. And, and that's, Tim, that's really what Life Dojo is about. So, so you know, a bit about us. We, we create 12-week behavior change programs that are all online. And, you know, we include offline coaching and different support tools to get a person from really wherever they are in life. And what we've seen with our customers is that there's many employees that what what you're saying is exactly true. We call them the crossed arms effect (laughs) where, you know, they're sitting in their chair and they're about two hours into work and then they get this email, you know, saying, hey, you should do wellness. And their arms are crossed and they're rolling their eyes. And they said, you know, I'm just here to do my job. Mm -hmm. So what we try to do, we call it the 90-second rule. Within 90 seconds, we have to make the employee laugh, lean forward, and uncross their arms. And that's why so many corporate wellness solutions kind of struggle, because it's very messagey. It's kind of, hey, you know, you should drink less. You should stress out less. Whereas what we try to do is use animation and humor and story to actually engage people 
very similarly to how a reality show engages them after work. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they're having fun and enjoying something at work, right? So then once we engage them, then it's about education. So how do you get someone to actually, for the first time in many cases, say, you know, actually, I've never even thought about, you know, exercising beyond the diet I did one time for New Year's that didn't work, but really saying, hey, if you walk for 20 minutes a day, you're going to live eight years longer. And here's the cool science behind it. Um, And here's a couple of stories of people that did it. And once you get that type of engagement, then we can lead them to action. Then our coaches can actually engage them. And by the end of 12 weeks, you have actual health behavior change that doesn't just go away. It's now a part of your life. An interesting factor, at least in my mind, is, of course, we think about the work environment, or as you mentioned, it's not necessarily nine to five anymore, that the hours are, might be longer or they might be broken up and you're working at home. How has that affected or impacted health in the workplace and where maybe we've gotten to in the last, say, 15, 20 years? Have you, have you seen that environmental change really contribute to maybe a lack of health or, or some health issues? Absolutely. There's actually some great research that recently came out uh, from UPenn showing that having your phone tied to your work email 24-7 has a, a very serious impact on the stress level that you experience on a daily basis. Working from home is, is another example you brought up. Without somebody being able to really structure their lives in a way where work is work and, and family is family and friends are friends, it actually has a, has a measurable impact on a person's happiness. Hmm. Um, and that's something we can measure now. And so, you know, you're bringing, what you're bringing up in, in many ways, technology is responsible for this. So much is changing so quickly that if we don't prioritize uh, talking about and thinking about work-life balance and, and really wellness, not just in the physical sense, but in the mental sense and in in even the financial sense, um, then these changes are going to really run away with us and, and that affects bottom line. It really does. Well, I want to give you the opportunity here, if, uh, if you wouldn't mind, sharing maybe some, some tips or some smaller programs that you've run. I obviously don't want to give, uh, have you give away all your secrets, but if there's some items out there you could share with the listeners, especially those employers that might be looking to incorporate something, anything, maybe they just want to get started, what sort of strategies or, or advice can you offer up? Um, actually, before Life Dojo, I, I had quite a bit of experience in live programs with, with people. And one of the, the first things that's important is to get together a group of motivated employees as well as high-risk employees, the people that maybe are a little quiet about their wellness issues, and engage them, you know, some in groups, some one-on-one. Ask them what it would take. Make it a dialogue um, because the last thing you want to do is to have kind of a top-down approach mm-hmm. where you say, okay, this is, this is what you're doing. And, you know, Bill, in accounting, you know, since you're overweight, you know, you, you should do this. Right. You, you, you just you've lost a lot of rapport there and he's not going to do it. The other thing is, is to, to really, you know, there's a lot of focus on social competitions out there right mm-hmm. now. And it's kind of a Facebook style or, you know, some people are doing the 5K run uh, or the walkathon and it's very public. And the last person that's going to get involved in a public campaign is your highest risk person the person that has a chronic disease that can't, you know, can't do a 10-minute mile or even a 15-minute mile. 
So the person that actually is costing your company the most will very rarely, if never, engage in a social competition. Sure. So what we really encourage companies to do is find a solution that's more private, that is more respectful of the challenges that those people face. You know, that can be done through a lot of one-on-ones. It gets really expensive when you have a bunch of live coaches, you know, in-house or you're sort of in an individual basis. And obviously, that's why we built Life Dojo. The idea is every person needs a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to be private journey. But, you know, it's possible with technology. You know, when we did it in New York, it was extremely expensive to help a few people just because you, you couldn't be every person to every person right. in that situation. Well, you bring up an intriguing point there, the idea that, you know, your highest risk individuals are most likely costing you the most money. So when you're looking to set something up, I mean, are you are you focusing on that group first and then sort of filtering down? Do you look to find a, a sweet spot amongst everybody? Because as you said, you can't be everything to everyone. So where do you put that focus? How do you how do you determine what exactly you're going to go for? Yeah, that's that's actually a great question. And there are some corporate wellness schools of thought. And it's funny that they do exist. There's different schools of thought here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have this idea that if you focus just on the high risk, you know, they're, they're 70% of your preventable disease cost anyways. So why even engage your healthy employees? And then you have the other side that says, there's got to be a, a silver bullet mm-hmm. out there. So just offer them all the same social thing or, or sort of prize system, and you'll be good. And what we actually strongly believe is that you can do both as long as it's very focused on individualizing a person and giving them choice. Hmm. And so what we've really, most of our technology effort has been around what we call week two, when people are motivated and they, they're starting to rethink their stress or their healthy eating, their exercise habits. And then we give them a, a process to go through where they plan their 12 weeks of action. And it's different for every person. So some one person can say, you know, I just want to walk for 15 minutes a day and then stretch. And that's, that's my goal. And that allows that high-risk person actually engage. And then, you know, the next person can say, I don't even like running. I'd love to play soccer three times a week and get back into that. Mm -hmm. They can actually put that in the system. And then over 12 weeks, we encourage them through different tools and and they check it off the list that they did it. And there's sort of metrics to to track all of that for the HR director. So you can, in fact, give everybody the opportunity to do something, but it takes a a unique approach to, to do that. And I do, uh, I do like the idea of giving them choice. Uh, we hear that a lot just within the workplace and, and people being able to make at least some of their own decisions, have that autonomy and, and choices. And it certainly sounds like that is effective when it comes to the wellness side of things as well. Yeah, we, uh, we were talking to a pretty senior New York banker the other week. And uh, he, you know, he said, so you're using this other product for corporate wellness and how do you like it? And he says, I hate it. And we said, why? <laughs> and he, he said, I took this 20-minute health risk assessment, and then the next day, I get an email that tells me I need to drink less. He's like, I'm a blank in New York banker. I'm supposed <laughs> to drink less? <laughs> so, so, you know, the idea that people are told what to do by some nanny state corporate wellness solution, I don't think you can make something 
you know, push people to run away faster than telling them what to do, especially when it comes to something as sensitive as health. And so, you know, the day we started Life Dojo, that was rule number one. Do not force people or tell them what's good for them. Help them discover it. Chris, we unfortunately are getting low on time here. We have about 30 seconds. I want to give you the floor at the end. If you had any final message you wanted to offer up, a nice takeaway for our listeners regarding this subject. Again, the floor is yours here for the last 30 seconds or so. Thanks again, Tim. And, and I just want to say, you know, one last time, this stuff is hard. And for a long time, participation rate, you know, that was sort of the, the ROI that was reported. Now people are starting to say, how do I actually change health behavior in my employees? Our entire team uh, has behavior science experience. And, and honestly, 95% of stuff out there, it doesn't, it doesn't work because it doesn't have that grounding in, in, in good behavior science. So, so happy to consult anybody. You know, we won't push product. It's just, you know, how do you actually do this stuff? We'd love to have that conversation. Well, perfect way to finish out the show. We'll wrap up this edition of Management Decisions. Again, we've been talking about corporate wellness and maybe a little different perspective. And we got some insight today from Chris Cutter. He's the founder and CEO of Life Dojo. You can go to lifedojo.com, I do believe. Is that correct, Chris? That's right, Tim. Go ahead and uh, check out the website there if you're interested. Uh, maybe you want to get some ideas. You want to contact Chris and uh, the rest of his team over there to, to help you out. Uh, but once again, appreciate you coming on the show, giving us some insight and uh, some details as far as what we're talking about. So uh, thanks once again, Chris. Thanks, you. And as always, we'd like to hear from you, the listeners as well. Just go ahead and shoot an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or questions. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. Use hashtag LJNRadio to join in the conversation there. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Yuma. Take care, everybody. 